Hey y'all, what's up? It's your boy TJ. I'm Liz. Thank you for checking out episode four of Puffing Corded. Today we are talking about chaperones, boundaries, and curfews. Uh, first and foremost, we just want to say a big thank you. Uh, we dropped the first episode last week. The reception was amazing. We thank all you guys for all your support, all the questions you sent in, all the love. Uh, we hope to keep it coming. All right. So getting into today's episode, we want to go back and touch on some old business. Um, so last week we talked about playing house and if he should pay for your nails, if he should pay for your clothes and your this and your that, um, tell us what your thoughts are on that. Well, I remember saying that, um, a lot of times women will say, oh, cooking, cleaning, and like other domestic things that's wife duties um you need to upgrade to a ring and i'm not saying i disagree but also expecting him to like pay your bills um pay for your hair your nails all these good things like that's husband duties not saying that you shouldn't want your woman to look good but um expecting him to pay for certain things that's husband duties so don't expect him to perform husband duties um when you have a list of what wife duties are i think the biggest thing is is that sometimes uh we play house right so you know we're shacking up or we're living together and i'm not judging anybody by any means but again that is married couple duties so if you don't want to perform uh wife duties or husband duties you shouldn't be living like husband and wife if you are not or doing grown folks business married folks business that's just food for thought again i'm not passing judgment but you can't say one thing is this way while you're doing something very similar uh the other thing i wanted to clarify so again we dropped episode one and as i'm going back and listening to it i'm talking about the time we were at the starbucks reserve and i said oh as long as the drinks are free keep them coming i just want to clarify i was not talking about alcoholic drinks i was not sitting at a starbucks reserve just throwing back alcohol um i felt it's the need starbucks, to <laughs> clarify that because i don't want anybody out there to stumble based on my words mm. That's accountability. Yes. Amen. All right. So we got some questions in and we're going to go back and answer those and then we'll get into the chaperones and the dates and things like that. Um, but question number one, what are some things we should be doing in our season of singleness? Um, so I said, you take the time to learn who you are. Like you don't necessarily need to be attached to anyone or involved with anyone. Like explore who you are, explore yourself. I would agree. Um, and I think what really helps to know who you are is to know how you were designed to be. And so the only way that we know that is we get in touch with our creator, which is God, our heavenly father. Um, and so I know for us, even though we weren't single, you know, they say you're single to you're married. So I guess technically, yes. Um, I would say 2021 in a good part of 2022, I spent a lot of time in God's word, really figuring out, like, first of all, who is God? Because I know you talked about some of us learn church before we learn God. And honestly, that was me. I grew up inside of the church building. And um, so you learn a lot about church, but I didn't learn a lot about who God was, his character, his attributes, like what he likes, what he doesn't like. And so I spent a lot of time in God's word, learning not only about him, but then as a result, learning about who I am, who I'm made to be, you know, what are the gifts and talents that he put on the inside of me? Because that was the only way that I would ever be able to even be on the journey to being ready to be a wife. So, and that takes discipline. Like, it's not just, oh, I'm going to read my Bible when it's convenient. There were times where I would be like, okay, I, we got to get off the phone because I need to go finish reading Matthew. <laughs> and when I first started reading, it took me a long time to get through any given book of the Bible chapter. Um, but the more I did it, the easier it was for me to pay attention, to stay focused, to keep doing it. And it built a habit that I still... Um, have today it's just now it looks a little bit different because of scheduling and things like that but as you build that discipline to seek God it helps a lot with figuring out who you are and what God has for you 
The other thing I would say is live your best life or live your best godly life. Um, that doesn't look like only church. Church is very important, number four on your priority list. Um, but God really does want the best for you. So in John 10, 10, we uh, see that uh, it says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Mm. Rich and satisfying, y'all. And I love this verse because it talks about you know, I don't I don't think that any word in the Bible is just haphazard or, you know, doesn't matter, duplicative or anything like that. And it talks about being rich and satisfying. And this is the NLT. But I think of richness as the beauty and blessings that God has for us as his children. But satisfying is those natural things that we like and enjoy, like vacations and nice bags and healthy relationships. That's a satisfying thing. And God doesn't just want us to have a strong and healthy relationship with him, but he also wants us to enjoy the life that we have. And so I think that while we're in or while, yeah, while we're in our seasons of singleness, um, finding other things also that you enjoy doing hobbies, friends, outings, it doesn't just have to be, oh, I don't have a man, so I'm bored. Like I have a man and I still do things by myself that I thoroughly enjoy and not because he doesn't want to go, not because he doesn't enjoy it and not because I don't want him to go. It's just, I have time to do this and you don't and I'm a go like the aquarium. <laughs> I'm a go by myself every time. I love that place. <laughs> and I'm like, the aquarium is really a one and done thing once a year. Once a month minimum, but also I don't mind going by myself. That's something that I enjoy. I spend a lot of time there getting to know different parts of me. Because if I want him to enjoy my company, then the question is, do I enjoy my own company? If I'm getting on my own nerves, <laughs> why would he want to hang out with me? And then I'm getting on his nerves too. I actually posed that question to somebody. I'm like, would you be friends with you? Mm, I would definitely be friends with me. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So the next question is, how do I know he's the one? Um, and so the simple mm. answer to that is I would pray, ask God for discernment. Um, a lot of times, especially those who grow up in the church, like we're forced into this way of thinking that that one person we meet at whatever age, like that's supposed to be the person, like that's the person I'm going to be courted with. That's the person I'm going to be married to. Like I have to hitch my wagon to that person. Um, and sometimes I feel as though he or she may have been the one for that season. So they were there to teach you something. Doesn't mean that they are the one, the permanent one for which you enter into a covenant with. Um, so if this person is a permanent one, they should compliment you. And I think I talked about that in the last episode. Um, but also look for a man who has self-control. Um, a man with self-control is like a city. A man who lacks self-control is like a city without walls. And we Come on, Bible. <laughs> so that's Proverbs 25, verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Mm. Mm. I think... I feel like you want to expand on that verse, though. I, I do want to expand on that verse, but I want to double back to finding somebody who compliments you um just to be clear when we say compliment we mean compliment with an e like we work well together you fit where I lack and I fit where you lack um yes it's nice to have a man who compliments you like oh you look so pretty I like that dress blah 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 um and I'm not saying that don't find a man I'm not saying find a man that doesn't compliment you or it's okay if your man doesn't but we mean compliment as in I may really I mean I may be really good at um like I'm very good at spatial organization whether it's digital or on paper so where should this fall on a slide or a poster or whatever but he's really good at coming up with the ideas and so I can't come up with an idea out of nowhere to save my life but if you give me an idea and you paint the picture, I'm really good at putting that on paper and bringing that to fruition. So 
because we complement each other, we work well together, like that's somebody that you want. Um, and then Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control, is like a city broken into and left without walls. Um, so back in like, so, you know, the Bible was written in Bible days. So back in Bible days, you know, they had castles and towns and things like that with the big city walls around them. And then they had the moat. So like the water that kind of keeps people out. And the purpose of that wall and that moat was not only to keep people out, intruders, you know, invaders and things like that, but it was also to keep the people and things that were supposed to be in the city in the city. And so when this verse is talking about a city broken into and left without walls, it's really leaving yourself vulnerable to anything and everything in both directions. So you're leaving yourself vulnerable to the distractions of the world, the demons of the world and everything else that's out there but you're also putting everybody else at risk of anything that's inside of you that maybe God is still working on you with or um just like yeah things that you may put other people at risk for because it has not been perfected in you um and so self-control really is that restraint it's the ability to say this is really what I want to do but this might not be fruitful either for me or for the people that I'm around. It might harm others. So I'm not going to do that despite like my fleshly desires. Um, and then the next one to know if he's the one is, does he love you and not the emotion of, Oh my gosh, I just love him, which I do just to be clear. Um, but also first Corinthians 13, four and five. So does, is he patient? Is he kind? Are you patient? Are you kind ladies? Um, are we envious of each other or are we excited when each other wins, excited when each other has things that maybe we don't have or don't have access to yet? Um, it says that it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered and keeps no records of wrongs. And so I think the biggest or most common thing that we see in relationships, um, where it's like, that's not love is when you're constantly bringing up things that they did in the past to kind of hurt them or throw it back in their face. And this, the tail end of this verse says it keeps no record of wrongs and not to say like, Oh, you wronged me and I'm gonna pretend like it never happened, but I'm not going to keep that tally written down so that any given moment I can just list all of these things back to you. Um, read the whole chapter. It's really good. <laughs> uh, and so like love is an action, right? Not just the emotion. Um, and we see the greatest act of love on Calvary. Like mm -hmm. God, Jesus, he didn't want to die, but he did die for us um, to cleanse us of our sins and break all the curses of the world. Um, and so what does that look like practically? So for me, like love looks like picking up her dog's poop, um, even <laughs> though I wanted to leave it on the floor so bad because that's just not what I do, but um, I understood she was I having did. a bad day, and I'm like, let me just get it off the floor before she comes back home. Mm. Yeah. Love is also him being patient because it took us forever to get started today because, like you said, it's not been the best day. And just to clarify, I do not live here. Right. Right. He just got here before I got here because I was supposed to be home hours ago um so good so our next question is should people get married before 30 or get married early I don't really know yes of course if you are in the right part of your life or right place in your life and all the all signs are go all signs are go <laughs> absolutely I was just going to say, I don't, I don't know why there's hesitation or I don't know where we got this threshold from I to think, say, uh, the hesitation comes because a lot of people say, spend your twenties selfish, like spend your twenties learning about you and doing what you want to do, vacationing, spending money. But if you were at a position in your life to be married at 30 or before 30, absolutely. But first Corinthians 13, four and five says love is not self-seeking. So if we're spending a decade of our life being selfish intentionally, I think that... That just means I ain't found the person that I loved yet. Valid. <laughs> Valid. 
Sorry, I'm always here to play devil's advocate. Don't mind me, y'all. Every time. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So hopefully we answered uh, everyone's questions. Again, we're no experts. We're just telling you from our point of view. Um, but continue to send us questions. Like, comment, subscribe down below. Also send us emails of anything you want us to answer uh, at absolutelymacaulay at gmail.com. All right. So getting into the topic for today, boundaries. Set them keep them, enforce them. Um, I think that when relationships first start, so I know the first episode we talked about how we get, have are still getting a lot of advice that's not necessarily relevant to where we are at this point. And not to say that it's not relevant at all or that we don't appreciate it, um, but there's different boundaries and different things that need to be set at different seasons, levels of maturity, both naturally and spiritually. Um, and so on a first date, regardless of how old we are at this point, um, you have to establish those boundaries. Like, what is it that I'm going to do? What am I not going to do? Um, and the first biggest thing, I think, is knowing what your weaknesses are. So that really goes back to getting to know yourself, knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at. Um, and then knowing your weaknesses, what are the things that tempt you? What are the things that may not tempt you, but it may tempt your partner? Um, and that's a conversation that, like, we had to have that conversation before we went out on our first date um, to just know and be able to respect the other person's boundaries, especially if we're trying to have a kingdom relationship, then we need to have those boundaries in place and make sure that we understand the other person's boundaries so that we don't cross them um, in any way. And then I know like one of the things um, that we talk about for boundaries is deciding to remain abstinent. Um, and people always question, well, what if they don't agree or what if it's hard for them? Um, and the simple line is that if they can't respect that boundary that you set for yourself, then that is a red flag for you to leave. Bye. Um, and I'll say someone asked me at church a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> um, how many relationships had you been in before you met Tyler or before you and Tyler started dating? And first of all, I was like, my father is sitting at this table. Why would you ask me that? Was it homegirl? No. Not that homegirl. Panera. Yeah. Wait. Yes. Yes. Because she always be asking <laughs> questions and I'm like, there are grown, <laughs> growner folks here. Growner folks here. I'm like, you don't just be asking those kind of questions. <laughs> Um, but I did let her know, you know, I can't even really give you a number because a lot of the people who had approached me previously, my first thing was, and has always been, we're not having sex. And some people would be like, oh, no, nah, never mind. That's fine. Have a good one. Some people are like, okay, no, yeah, that's fine. And then we get into positions where it's like, no, 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 no. I said, we're not having sex. And when that boundary is even attempted to be crossed, thought about being crossed, you know what? Never mind. I don't think this is going to work. So I couldn't really give her a number, not because, oh, you can't get a man. No, it's just I didn't even give them the chance to be in a relationship with me because that was a boundary I was not willing to cross and they were not willing to respect that. So you really just got to what is it worth to you? What does it matter to you? And what are you willing to leave on the table as a result? And be specific in your boundaries, like discuss like what's allowed, what's not allowed. Because again, what may tempt you may not tempt your partner and vice versa. Um, and so yesterday we were at a marriage group and he, mm -hmm. the guy was talking about, you know, just doing like non-sexual contact or, you know, giving a massage in a non-sexual <laughs> way or just or not expecting for it to lead into that. And it's like, OK, but those are things you got to work up to because uh, giving or receiving a massage may make me want to do things that I shouldn't. Um, or, again, be specific, like is kissing allowed, like is kissing going to tempt you is um, hand holding, like how much PDA, how much physical touch. And that was advice coming from grown married people. So, like, mm, if it did lead to somewhere else, y'all was going to be okay. <laughs> right. But, like, <laughs> a 17-year-old a, a might not be able to have that restraint. 
and also like a 17 year old 18 year old like may not even have like learned that restraint that's so true um you also in in being specific about what's allowed what's not allowed what can we do what can't we do making sure that you're not pressured into doing things that toe that line of sexual sin um and it's really important to I think one thing that you really have to kind of if we go back a little bit start with is is this even a partner where you're comfortable with being vulnerable with so that should you get to the point where we're towing the line do you even feel comfortable enough to be like actually we can't do this actually we have to stop I'm very sorry but it's a no for me um because I think a lot of people get into those situations where it's like I didn't mean to tow the line I'm towing the line now but now I can't say never mind I can't say no thank you I can't say this is too much and I've heard way too many heartbreaking stories of women who get into that situation and it ends a lot worse than they wanted it to or expected it to because it wasn't with somebody that they felt comfortable enough with to say, actually, we have to stop. But at the same time, the other person, it's the opposite person's responsibility too to kind of maintain that accountability. So it's not just on the woman or just on the man to be like, actually, this is too much. Like we both have to be on the same page of this is what we are and are not doing. Uh, absolutely. And so if Ephesians 4.27 tells us, uh, don't give the enemy an opening that will cause you to stumble. So like when you start to toe that line, like you are letting the door, you are opening the door for certain um, urges, demonic spirits, evil. You're opening the door for the enemy to uh, take away your blessing. And so we always say like a good Christian will draw the line and then stand back from the line. So even if you would trip, you still don't cross it. Mm, so good. All right. So ladies, <clears throat> and I'm talking to myself too. So, Hey y'all, we have to respect the fact that men are wired different. And again, this goes back to what might be temptation for you or what might not be temptation for you might be temptation for them. Um, and so, Understanding and respecting that for a man who loves you and respects you and wants to honor the boundaries that have been set in place, for you, touching and rubbing up on each other might not be nothing. But for them, it might be like, you touch me one more second longer and it's a no for me, dog. Um, and I'm the type of person, my number one love language is physical touch. And I'm like, God why would you wire me like this when you also expect me to wait until marriage? Because I just want to all day, just, you know, <laughs> and he's very much like, please, please. And I, it took me a very, very long time. <laughs> it took me a very long time. <laughs> we gonna leave it. it took me a long time to oh, this goes into freedom y'all freedom conference first weekend in december it took me a long time to let go of this spirit of rejection like oh my gosh he doesn't like me he doesn't want me he doesn't think i'm attractive and blah 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 because at first i'm like why doesn't he want me to touch him why doesn't he want to like just rub up on my arm while we sitting here, you know? But then when I realized, like, that might be towing the line for him. That might be the line. That might be we're not far back enough away from the line to not cross it when we trip for him. And because I love and respect him, once I understood that, I was like, all right, okay, okay. 200 and some odd more days it's fine everything's fine but ladies just 
respect, and this goes for men too, if if the opposite is true for you all, um, or if you get into a relationship and you find that the opposite is true, respect the other person's boundaries. Absolutely, because I don't know if they do it now, but you know, the massage thing, that used to be a gateway to so many things. Mm. I don't know what they do now. And so what, as we respect each other's boundaries, then the question becomes, what parameters are we using to hold each other accountable to that? Not even each other, um, also to yourself. Mm. Mm. Like, how are you holding yourself accountable? And so um, one of the things you got to do, establish guardrails because we are not that holy. Um, First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can not bear. And when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can endure. And I think um, one of the first things I learned about Christianity was that we have a free will. We have the decision to choose, I want to follow God, I don't want to follow God, I want to live for him, I don't, I want to do this, I want to do that. And the tail end of this says, when you are tempted, which implies that we're going to be tempted, he will also provide a way out. He's going to provide a way out. So then the question becomes, when we get into this temptation, did I not choose the way out that was there or like did I bypass it or did I just decide you know I see that way out but I'm going to keep going Um, and a lot of times as we have gotten older I've been able to clearly identify oh this is the way out let's just take this exit ramp right here before we end up somewhere else Um, but also knowing and trusting that God's not going to tempt you beyond what you can bear and so it's like okay when I'm being tempted it's like okay well I know that I can overcome this because God knows how strong I am like a lot of times we don't think we're that strong but God knows how strong I am and in spite of knowing how strong I am he still gives me a way out so then it's like did I choose it or did I not choose it that's true that's true and so we set up our guardrails for our worst day because we trust ourselves too much. Like we fall mm-hmm. into this, oh, I won't let that happen, or I'll only go this far, but I won't let it go any further. Oh, oh that'll never happen to me. I won't fall into this trap. And then before you know it, like we do fall into certain traps because you don't know what you would do in a situation until you are faced with that situation or when that situation pops up in certain circumstances. Um, so mm-hmm. sometimes like... Don't set your own guardrails. Like, keep yourself accountable, but you it's not up to you to always set your own guardrails. Someone, sometimes someone needs to keep you accountable and needs to set your guardrails for you. And even in a relationship, it's not necessarily I'm setting her guardrails or she's setting my guardrails. Like, sometimes there needs to be a third party, like, accountability check. Mm. So make sure you have that for yourself because a good friend will always see hey, you're about to stumble or, hey, you're about to go off this cliff. Like, let me put this guardrail here um, because they won't let you fail. Um, oh, you said something though that was so good. Oh, we set, we set our guardrails for our worst day. And I think that that's why a lot of people think that kingdom dating and Christian dating is boring because the question I've always gotten, I still get it, actually got it a few weeks ago at work, Y'all not having sex? Well, that's boring. Whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, first even of all, know you. that part. Um, but it's this, society has us in this thought process that unless you're having sex, it's not a good time. And I think for us, especially over the years, as we've grown spiritually, um, we've grown naturally, the guardrails that we have in place now are a lot different than the guardrails we've had in place before. And I feel like 
I at least am having more fun. I'm having more memorable experiences, dates, um, outings and things like that because now I don't have to worry about what am I going to do to make sure that we don't do X, Y, and Z or whatever. It's just kind of like, this is what we're doing. We're going to the aquarium. We're going to dinner. (laughs) We're going to the movies um, or whatever the case may be. And there's that overarching, like, I don't want to trip. I don't want to stumble. Isn't really, isn't there as much. Um, But that's because we have guardrails in place and I'm I'm gonna jump a little bit but someone asked like we just talked about earlier he doesn't live here he don't spend the night and people think like oh but you know you'll be over there at night and it's like it gets dark at seven o'clock in the winter time yes but fully clothed when he's here you know there's not like oh let's go chill in my room there is a couch there is a tv there is a kitchen table and just knowing like okay these are the boundaries that we have agreed on these aren't my boundaries that I'm hoping that he continues to abide by we are on the same page about these boundaries and so I feel like it's a lot easier for us to keep with them also um and I would say that I had a train, I had my train of thought, and I lost it. So it might be the Holy Spirit saying "shut up." Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I would say that, like, yes, like I'm here at night. Like we both work uh, full time jobs, and like we're recording this podcast after work, and so it's like eight fifty six on a Thursday night that we're recording. But it's just like I didn't leave. I didn't leave work until four thirty, close to four thirty. Um, and she had her own stuff to do. Grocery shop. Spent two hours at the Apple store. Two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> <clears throat> Shout so, out to you, though, Tasia. Thank you so much for getting me together. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, it's not like we have time in the daytime to uh, record this podcast. And I know somebody might say, well, what about the weekends? But, y'all, I work weekends, too. So, hmm. And Sundays are for the Lord. And then that really goes back to which actually takes us right into our ne- next topic of chaperones, but I ain't even finished. Oh, my bad. Well, it still takes us into, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, people will be like, Oh, he's over there at night. As if, if we were going to do something we shouldn't do, we can't do that while the sun is up. Like people have sex all day apparently and (laughs) I can't wait I'm I'm on my way but we got to get out of this mindset that you can only have sex at night you can only have sex in the bed if we wanted to we would have by now I'm gonna go back to that um I'm gonna come back to that actually (laughs) um but back to boundaries sorry (laughs) Um, so then there's like personal boundaries. So like respecting like personal boundaries, does this person need their own space? Um, does this person, how does this person like to be talked to? Um, things like that. Mm, Like me, talk (laughs) to me nice or don't speak at all. Um, and then time boundaries. Like, again, I feel like in this generation, we are so Ooh. entitled to everyone's time. We want everything instantaneous. How dare you be on social media and not message me back? Mm. Mm. Because my phone is on DND, and this is the app I got open right now. <laughs> um, and we are both, like he said, very busy, full-time jobs. Lots of other things to do, but we prioritize each other because we want to. Like, we choose to. We have to make an intentional effort every day to say, I know I'm busy, but before I start my very busy day, let me text him good morning. Let me pray for him. Let me make sure that I pack him, you know, pack you a nice little snack when I pack my own lunch. I'll give it to you later. Um, And so then, even though the day is busy, we've already kind of set some things in motion so that it doesn't become, well, I was busy and you're not entitled to my time. So now I don't get any. 
it's like you you gotta we gotta find the line between the two um and I don't do that because I feel pressured I don't do it because I think oh he's expecting me to do this so I have to it's like no I want to do this and so I make an intentional effort to do that and vice versa you know it's never oh well he texted me he didn't text me today so I'm not texting him we're not five um and sometimes it'll be I've noticed maybe he just started his day sooner than I did. So he texted me good morning first the past two days. But this morning I knew that he had to be at work super, super early. And I did my best to roll over to text him and some well wishes before I went back to sleep. Um, Because I knew that was important to him and I wanted to be able to do that and be there for him in that way. So it's just like no one is entitled to my time and no one is entitled to his time but yet at the same time out of our love and respect for each other we entitle the other person to our time like that's how I like to think about it right and then just going back to like making time like she'll send a good morning text but I'm not replying to that text until I'm out the door I might be in the car I might not reply to it until I get to work and not because I don't necessarily want to but I have a uh, routine that helps me get out of the house on time to be to work on time and I do Um, not (laughs) (laughs) um, hopefully that routine will change to be to work early but I really just have a routine and I don't stray or deviate from that routine because being on time can be 10 minutes late real quick Mm. Mm. and that's exactly what it'd be pray for me all right, so moving on to the next part. So we talked about boundaries and then chaperones. Like, do we need them? Do we not need them? Um, and I will say uh, teenagers, like, if if you allow your teenagers to date, um, I don't have kids, so I don't know what that looks like. Um, but I do know hmm. that there are teenagers who are out here dating. Um, I do know that there are Christian teenagers out here dating. Um, parents will never call it dating. They'll call it something else. Or they're just hanging out with their little friend. (laughs) Um, but definitely to start off, I would say they need a chaperone. And a chaperone doesn't, I think at least in our generation where our parents maybe didn't get it the best is that chaperoning for them was, I don't want to say they, I don't want to say they didn't get it right. (laughs) They didn't get it most right. They didn't get it most right. Um, chaperoning back in the day, I feel like, you know, you went to the pizzeria or whatever, and now it's the three of us sitting at the table. It was called going steady. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was. Um, but it's like the three of us don't have to sit at this table side by side. Like if you sit over there in a booth and watch me inconspicuously, I know you're here. I know you're watching. That's enough to hold me accountable. Scoot over there. Um, So it's like, yes, they need chaperones, but I still think that teenagers, children, adults, all people deserve respect. Um, And it kind of puts a damper on like what dating looks like from a very young age and what the term chaperone means, looks like, feels like. So as far as older adults, I feel like... uh Maybe to start out to have a chaperone, but I don't think they should always be chaperone because there are some people who believe you need a chaperone at all times until you say I do. Um, but I don't know how you will ever make it to I do or how you'll even make it to the engagement if you don't get like some type of alone time to learn each other personally. Because again, um, when you're asking certain questions in front of parents, like the person you get... <laughs> in front of parents is not the same person you're going to get alone at a restaurant because in front of my parents, like I'm choosing my words very carefully. Like I'm not saying anything egregious, but I'm also not saying anything that'll like cause my mother to raise an eyebrow. Or that ride home becomes very uncomfortable. And that's Mm. also, (laughs) and it's not even just out of fear. It's also just out of respect. Yeah. To tie it back to getting to know yourself and the relationship that we have with God, I think that, and actually our pastor preached on it on Sunday, when you only spend time with God on Sundays, what type of relationship is that? 
You know, when you're only spending time with God, when there's an entire congregation around, they got their hands up. So you got your hands up because you, you supposed to, that's what's supposed to happen <laughs> while we here. Field goal, field goal. Sorry, field goal. I wasn't in the frame. Um, when everybody else is singing worship songs, you sing worship songs because that's what you're supposed to do. They're taking notes, so you're taking notes. Um, but when you don't spend that one-on-one time with God outside of church, how are you able to build that intimate relationship with God to really get to know who is God to me? Who is God to me on my worst day? Who is God to me on my best day? Who is God to me when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do? Because that's really where I learned what the grace and mercy of God looks like. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Oh, I was going to say Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, it's like, like you know, if you don't have that personal time with God, you don't hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Yeah, and I, I know that this analogy kind of doesn't work, and it's not really fair because there is no risk of sin when I spend time with God by myself, obviously. But the more I spend time with God alone, the more intimate I, relationship I'm able to have with God. So then when we are spending time alone I still have this relationship with God that I honor in reverence. And then I recognize, oh, God is here too. And then it's really given like the Holy Spirit is our chaperone. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to laugh because it's funny, but it, it, it just sounds very too good to be true. But there will be times where we're like, yeah, no. And it's nobody else around. Nobody else is there to say, you're not supposed to do that, blah, blah, blah. We just, as you build a relationship with God, God will hold you accountable. So what do you think people should do if, like, um, that's a struggle for them? Like, they don't they don't think that their guardrail will hold up if they were to date alone. Mm, that's good. Date with your friends. Double dates are good. Um, being on dates that are not in the house that are not at the movies, I think it's okay to be alone. I think it's not okay to be unseen. So if you're hot and bothered and you're worried about having sex with your man or whatever, then don't be on a date where you can do that. We drive separate. I'll meet you there. We go to a restaurant. You maybe go out for ice cream. You go for a walk. We drive ourselves home. You know, if we want to talk and kind of linger after, we linger outside not like okay well let's both sit in your car and keep talking because then that can turn into something um I think it's okay to date alone I think if you're concerned about that guardrail not holding up which is very valid like don't get me wrong there was we didn't start dating alone and unseen if you can say that for a very long time um but even now a lot of our dates are alone but out in public so I say we dated out unseen. I would say like the movies might be unseen because there are things that you can maybe get away with in the movies where if you're trying not to trip and stumble, then maybe going to see a movie with your partner and nobody else might not be the best idea. Got it. So date alone, but out in the open. Mm-hmm. All right. So no, no intimate places where you could sneak off or be in the dark. Correct, but even then, I mean, because a cookout at your auntie's house, there's bedrooms upstairs, there's other places and spaces to kind of sneak around, but that's when you really have to have that community to hold you accountable to be like, hey, we are being abstinent, celibate, whatever the case may be, and we're waiting. So then it's like, if you try to sneak off, your homegirl should be like, hey girl, where where you going? Where you at? You've been gone for too long. Come on, come on back to where everybody else is. Um, so that's really having those other people in your circle to help hold you accountable. Um, and if it is a struggle, it's okay to have a chaperone. It's just that chaperones don't have to be our parents or our pastors or some other sort of authoritative leadership figure in our lives. Um, just somebody who also respects your boundaries. That's not necessarily emotionally invested in that relationship too. 
And I like what you said about the cookout because that brings us to uh, the next point. Like older Christians, parents, <clears throat> like don't try to overcorrect this and then you become a helicopter parent. Mm. So then you never let them out the house or you have to go on every outing with them. Like you are two feet behind <coughs> them at all times. Um because that's going to lead to a <laughs> that's going to lead to a lot of resentment. It's going to lead to a lot of arrested development, is what I'll say. And so, mm. I was instead of being that helicopter parent, like lead with education and teachings of the Bible. Because the bottom line is, and I hate to say it, that if your child wants to, they will. Um, mm. Your child only has to be out of your sight for ten minutes for them to actually like cross the line, right? Because again. They're at a family function. Well, they can easily sneak upstairs. They can easily say, oh, help me get out this car. And now they're in the car for 10 minutes. Um, what are other ways that people, um, nowadays children are in school, hooking school, not coming straight home from school. Mm. So instead of like trying to overcorrect it, I think if you teach them um, and tell them the why behind it, they'll absorb that better because trying to overcorrect and be a helicopter parent is just going to force them to be sneaky. But if you raise a child mm. in the way they must go, y'all know the rest. Strict parents breed sneaky kids. I've been saying that my whole life. Ooh. And then, like, how do you do that, right? So first and foremost, I want y'all to discuss the practical implications that come with sex. So I work in healthcare, and y'all, when I tell you I have to educate people just on just on their body parts, period. Like there are 16, 17 year olds and you know, they'll come in for certain symptoms and I'll say, um, are you experiencing any testicular pain? They don't understand. So I have to rephrase mm. my question. Do your testicles hurt? So, you know, I'm trying to like be professional mm -hmm. and they still don't understand. So I have to say, do your balls hurt? And like not to cast judgment, but it's, we're not even teaching them their body parts. We're not teaching them proper health things. So they're not even, you're not old enough to be having sex if you don't know like those terms, right? So teach them like sex comes with STDs. I, again, like I work in urgent care, but I run an STD clinic. Like I'm treating <laughs> three patients a day. I mean, three patients an hour for an STD. Like I know the regiment by hand. Like I know like what the person looks like when they come in. When a young person say they need a checkup, they don't want to head to toe exam. They they want STD testing. Um, and people think that STDs are something you, you get and you get cured. But we all know there's uncurable STDs. But also, like, there are consequences to repeated STDs. It can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease. It can lead to you being infertile. And now you can't have children later in life because of mistakes you made earlier in life. Um, pregnancy, um, all the responsibilities that come with that, like pregnancy, it's a big responsibility. Nine months of your body changing, your body may never change back. Now you are responsible for this kid and for the boys, like we have to teach them, like you have a child. Okay. Well now you have to pay child support. Are you going to finish school? Because you need to get a job. You need to support this baby. And I think, um, Another practical implication of not just sex, but sin in general is delaying the blessings and timing that God has for us. And the Bible does say that the wages of sin is death. And I know growing up, I used to think like, if I sin, I'm going to die. <laughs> and um, I really had to learn like sometimes it's not necessarily you dying as in killing over six feet under that kind of thing. Sometimes it's, um, an opportunity that was for you, you may have forfeited. So that opportunity died or, you know, the favor that was for you, you may have had maybe less favor or no favor in that situation at all that died. Sometimes the death is not of anything, but maybe it's your peace. Maybe it's your, safety maybe like what are we putting at risk by that maybe it's your childhood did you say that already oh no i didn't yeah maybe it's your childhood because like mm -hmm. you have a you have a baby to take care of so now you are forced to grow up quicker Super than what fast. you wanted to grow up or mm -hmm. that you had to grow up and for those of you all who are who may be in that situation where 
you have had multiple STDs or you did get pregnant at a very young age, don't don't feel bad. Don't be sad about it. Um, God is a redeemer of time. God is faithful. God is loving and caring. So that's the whole reason why he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins is so that we're not bound by our sins for the rest of our life. And I remember saying this even just yesterday, I'm really grateful for a God that heals. So it's like, like I said, maybe you cause your peace to die or your future maybe to die, but it's like God can resurrect dead things. So I don't want anybody to leave this episode feeling like, oh, well now I'm not, you know, good enough or good in God's eyes or anything like that. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, not the wages of sex before marriage is death. So your sin, my sin, his sin, sin is sin, whether you drive an 80 um, in a 65 because you didn't abide by the laws of the land. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Whether you're driving 80 in a 65 or you cheated on a test to get through college or you <laughs> or you was having sex in the backseat of the car at 16. Like, sin is sin, and Jesus died for all of it. So there is no condemnation for any of that because I personally do not believe that there's any one sin that is worse or better than the other. To that, I will say that, was it two weeks ago, We had a guest pastor, and he said that sometimes the enemy will have you do things considered a sin, but it'll be an accomplishment. Mm. And I got to find the direct quote, but he'll make it seem like it's an achievement. And so when he said that, I went back to think about all those times I may have um, cheated in an academic institution. Because in my mind, it was like by any means necessary. And, you know, you like, oh, I got away with it. Like, we here now. Um, but again, the enemy will make you feel like your wrongdoings are, uh, are an achievement. Um, but going back to what you said, there is no condemnation. That brings me back to when we learned about glorification um, mm-hmm. and how, like, the Lord is going to save us. I already won. So I can wake up every morning, every day in the morning, not feel defeated because. I've already won. Like, the Lord is going to wash the slate clean. And I know that the more I follow his word, that I am going to unarrest my development and get those blessings that for me. So it may have been delayed, but the more obedient I am, they're going to come right back to me. Mm. Romans 8, 1. There is thou, there, blah. <laughs> Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And oof, that is the KJV. Give me a second, y'all, because why would you default to that? No offense. Mm. Romans 8, 1, New Living Translation. So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So whether you've been saved your whole life, born inside of the church, or you got saved right before this episode started, you belong to Jesus. There is no condemnation. And if you don't belong to Jesus, we're going to talk about, we're going to get you there. We're going to bring you with us. Amen. All right. And so, you know, we always want to end this episode just, you know, telling you more about us and, um, what these practical tips look like for us. So we already told you about the boundaries we had in place, um, but who's been keeping us accountable? Mm. And Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, before (laughs) we even learned that accountability was a thing, like I don't think we had any one person. um, So we had to keep ourselves accountable because we really just had like death stares from everybody. Everybody. Like, What y'all doing? Y'all don't. Y'all go on dates alone? He be picking you up? He's a gentleman, yes. Um, I would say for me, especially, and even now, but especially at the beginning, um, 
what really held me accountable, which I don't know how healthy it was or is, but the reverence and respect that I have for my parents, but also the fear that I have of my father um, and my mom. Cause I feel like if I just walk in the house and I look a little different, she would just know. And I don't know how she would know, but I know that woman has a direct line to the right ear of the father. And I just feel like if I ever walked in the house, anything, sex, drugs, alcohol, there have been times she would just be like, "Mm, what was you doing? Huh? What you mean? So it's like that. I didn't want to be put in that uncomfortable position with them. And then sometimes what held, I think both of us accountable might not again have been healthy, but it was pride. You know, we don't want people to think that we're doing this. So we need to make sure that it looks like we're not. Um, we don't want whatever the case may be. So previously, I don't think it was any one person that was like, you're going to hold us accountable until we get married. It was just how we were raised and how we, the reputations that we have and wanted to maintain, which again, not healthy, but it worked. Yes. And you know, so now, now we do have people who are, um, holding us accountable. Mm. I feel like we have a whole congregation of people Mm. holding us accountable. And I don't know if it's always the healthiest. Mm. Um, I know there are a few select people who truly have good intentions, but there are twice as many people who present themselves as trying to keep us accountable, but it really comes off as invasive, Mm -hmm. intrusive, and just downright nosy. Right. Because you don't even know me. Why are you asking me that? And so it's really just, I feel like it's more of a, they're trying to find a chink in the armor. Like they're not who they say they are. Like they present themselves that way, but they are, I don't believe it. And so they ask these intrusive questions and invasive questions. And it's just like. And a lot of times it's, most of the time it's not even the fact that they're asking it's the word choice that they choose when they ask it. It's the time. It's the place. Like, don't ask me. Don't try to hold me accountable out loud in the middle of church. Don't do that. Like, Ecclesiastes, there is a time and place for everything. And no matter how nice you might try to disguise it, um, you know, I try to be as humble as possible, but I'm going to brag on myself for just a minute. I have the gift of discernment. Mm. I recognize the intentions behind what you said a mile before you even started talking. And it's not even just like the words, like I really just pick up on cues, like the tone, the inflection, the body language, the way your eyebrow twitched. I just read this. (laughs) (laughs) So I really... I think now I have a question for y'all. So if y'all are watching and y'all don't know, please forward this to the aunties and the uncles and the grandmas because somebody has to know, like, what does healthy accountability look like, especially for kingdom dating? Like, when people ask us who's holding you accountable, I don't even necessarily know how to answer that question a lot of times because it's like, am I supposed to say, oh, my mama? Because if I say that, I feel like the next question is, okay, and how does she hold you accountable? I have a healthy level of respect for her now. I I don't I don't know. So that's something I'm hoping to learn about soon. But also, um, again, I, we have a whole like congregation of people. Like, even though there are people who are trying to find chinks in the <laughs> armor and trying to find. Uh, flaws where flaws don't exist because they're looking in the wrong places. Mm. So I say that to say that we're not flawless. We just don't have the flaws you think we have. Um, mm. But if Worried you took about the wrong thing, if you took the time to paint the picture, you would find those flaws. But that's a different uh, episode. Um, but I think we have people in our lives who like look up to us and are rooting for us, and so we don't want to let them down. Mm. Yeah, it's also a level of now we really understand like the the purpose that God has for us is bigger than us. And so it's like 
not only do we have people looking up to us, but it's like, God, thank you that there are people who recognize something, whether we recognize it or not, doesn't even matter. People recognize something within us, both individually and as a couple. And out of my appreciation to God that other people can see it, now it's like, I just want to maintain it because God didn't have to give us this platform. God didn't have to allow us to have this healthy relationship. Like it didn't have to be this way. And yes, a lot of this is also because we did make the right choices along the way, but there are some wrong choices that were made along the way. Thank God for a God that heals and redeems. And so it's like, okay, God, I'm so grateful that you are choosing us. I don't want to risk it. And if anything, that's what holds us accountable. Absolutely. But I decree and declare <laughs> that in 253 days, those mm. guardrails are mm. coming down. Mm. Sledgehammer Come to on. this guardrail, sledgehammer to Come that on. guardrail. When I tell y'all, I'm like, don't fire. ask me no more questions, y'all. A light of fire to it. Because now the question is, what else y'all got? Um, because, you married now. You know, if we pop up with six kids back to back, just just mind your business. And financially support if the Lord leads you to do so. <laughs> um, but, you know, to those people who are being, like, more intrusive and invasive than they are, what's the word I'm looking for? Supportive or trying to be that accountability partner. My question is, okay, while you're asking this question, did you pray for us? Did you pray that the Lord continues to keep us accountable? Did you pray that the Lord continues to keep us uh, pure and set apart? Um and in your question, did you give us any practical tips and solution? No. Did you stand up on your soapbox and be like, hey, I understand abstinence is hard. Like, no. let me tell you, like, this is what I went through. This is my journey. Never heard it. Never heard it from the intrusive people anyways. But the people who really are um, the older, as they say, seasoned saints, who are holding us accountable, who are pouring into us. They're pouring into us. They're praying for us. They're praying with us. Um, they are giving us those practical tips and ideas and maybe different things to do. They might be things that we've already implemented and are already doing. And in that case, it's like, okay, yeah, babe, we're doing it right. We're doing, we're on the right path. And sometimes it's like, huh, I never thought about that. Thank you. Um, so just for those advice givers, Mm-hmm. Um, keep that in mind. If it's unsolicited, at least let it be helpful. At least let it be helpful. And then, you know, again, we always say, pray to the Lord, ask him to order your paths, ask him to order your steps. I'm sorry, but order your path was right. Ask him for just clarity, ask him for strength and peace. Um, just ask him to have the Holy Spirit move through your life. And I promise you, like when you seek him earnestly and you have like good questions, he will answer. So, um, like I've gotten back into Genesis and I'm just like, Ooh, this is a wild book. And I got to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and I'm like, <coughs> why was Lot's wife turned into a pile of salt? Mm. And mm. I was just like, cause I didn't understand that part. And lo and behold, I'm on Instagram today and somebody <laughs> broke it down. And I was just like, ask the Lord and you will receive. Yeah. So I want to end today with Philippians 2, 13. Um, and it says that God is working on the inside of us to give us both the desire and the power to do his will. And I really appreciate appreciate it. Like when I came across this verse a few years ago, I held on to it tight, snug, very close fisted because I was like, God not only gives me the ability to do what he wants me to do, but he gives me the desire. Like if you ask God to change the desires of your heart, he will. Um, and it's like, he wants to, like he will make it so that you want to obey him and that you can obey him. And then it makes it not so hard. Not easy, just not so hard. <laughs> not, never mind. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I said never mind. 
All right, that's all we have for you for this episode. Again, thanks for checking us out. Please like, comment, subscribe. Send us any questions you may have to absolutelymacaulay at gmail.com. Um, again, we are also in audio format anywhere you get your podcasts. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time that we have had together just to commune and share with you. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to share with your people. God, we thank you for every listener, every watcher. We we pray that you would allow this to permeate into their hearts, God, that exactly what they needed to hear will be the exact thing that sticks with them, God, that your word would go forth, that you would go before us, that you would go behind us. God, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Peace out, y'all. The last one I did was that was.